Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today I'm uh, speaking with David Monnier. Um, David, you know, looking at your uh, brief bio that I have here, I see that you start off as a Marine, as an officer, as a non-commissioned officer in the Marine Corps. Uh, I see you transition into various security roles in uh, in the Indiana University, and you held after that you held a bunch of uh, other security related positions, uh, and then coming up on uh, quite a long stint at a company called uh, Team uh, CYMRU. I'm not sure how I pronounce that, but if you it's want to. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks step in. No, you're you're uh, you're one of uh, you're one of millions who have a hard time with that name, by the way. So we uh, used to be the number one uh, entry on our frequently asked questions part of our website. Uh, but yeah, then I um um I, I'm a te- I'm a fellow at Team Cymru, uh presently. Uh, I also run um, I also work as our chief evangelist, uh, and then I run a, a number of various teams inside uh, network and security infrastructure uh, in our intelligence practice. Um, I oversee those teams. Um, but uh, I started my career, uh, like you said, I, I, I was in the U.S. Marine Corps. I, I had a non-technical job. There's not many technical jobs in the Marine Corps. Uh, the Marine Corps mostly just blows things up, you know. Um, and um, so that was, you know, my specialty. But when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I started to had the chance to work in electronic printing. Uh, and then from there, went to university and uh, to work at the university, high-performance computing, had a, a major security incident uh, that kind of uh, uh, high highlighted that I had some natural uh, talents to understand uh, the security components of, of what we were doing. Uh, and then I went on to, uh, from there, uh, I went from Indiana University to work uh, as part of uh, the Internet 2's efforts to participate in the Research and Education Networking ISAC, uh, which is one of the infrastructure ISACs here in the United States. Um, and from there, I met uh, Rabbi Rob Thomas, who uh, uh, invited me to join Team Cymru, uh 15 years ago now, uh, which is kind of crazy to think how much time has passed because um, it seems like just yesterday. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's how I got here. Okay, thank you. And today, it's uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a special edition of uh, of our podcast. We're not uh, you don't fall into the the specific category of a chief information security officer. So uh, we we're going to have a discussion that would be somewhat uh, different today. We'll be talking about the evolving space of ASM. Before we dive in, uh, I always like to ask a couple of icebreaker questions here. Uh, can you share your mar- marital status and favorite drink? Sure. Yeah. So I'm married, uh, have, a, uh, have a daughter, um, and... Uh, my favorite drink, hmm, uh, probably a rum old fashioned. If I were gonna, uh, if we were, if I were gonna have one, um, I, I, uh, uh, used to be a beer guy, uh, but I'm doing my best to not soak up all those calories. Uh, but prior to that, I would have said a, uh, a Sierra Nevada pale ale would probably mm. have been my, my go to. 
You know, from a calorie count perspective, I'm not sure rum is uh, leaner <laughs> than, than a beer. It's it, all it sugar, right? That, yeah, it's it's sugar, but uh, I drink way, way less of it, uh, yeah, you know, because the true. ABV is so much higher. So it's like less uh, less stuffing uh, and, and more turkey. So <laughs> that that's true. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so ASM uh, is a term uh, created uh, um, uh, by Gartner, I believe. Uh, but it stands for attack surface management. Um, and specifically, uh, what it is, uh, is the general term for applying uh, a few different technologies uh, together towards the same outcome uh, of, well, as the name suggests, uh, looking at your uh, external attack surface. Um, it includes things like asset management. Um, it includes things, uh, so think like discovery, things like that, uh, knowing what, what you have on the network and knowing where it's at. Uh, and then uh, as a result, it, it very uh, nicely uh, eases into the ability uh, to then do vulnerability scanning, uh, patch management, you know, those types of follow on things that come from uh, knowing that you have an asset. Um, now, uh, as you said, you know, we don't really fit into the kind of typical security uh, um, uh, uh I guess, envelope or bucket, you know, whatever you want to describe it as. Uh, and that's, uh, that's not lost on us. Um, so um, we are really, uh, our niche has been being an intelligence provider, uh, specifically threat intelligence. So, uh, you know, we're going on our, I guess, 16th year as a business, 17th year, something like that. And we really got our start uh, helping to provide, uh, let's call it situational awareness, uh, you know, theater information, if you will, theater in the sense of like a combat theater. Um, but as far as understanding adversaries, how they were misusing the internet, what their tools and tactics and methods were, uh, and then how people's products could be improved and made better. Uh, using uh, our intelligence. So originally, we didn't set out to try to make any kind of specific product uh, because we felt we were best at at being an intelligence provider. So we kind of took, I don't know if you remember, uh, years ago, there was the company BASF used to have this uh, uh, really uh, large advertising campaign that was in print and, and in uh, television media that was, we don't make, and then they would list it an, an item. They would say like, we don't make skis, we make skis faster. Uh, we don't make uh, 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 CPUs. We make CPUs smarter, you know, this type of thing. And they were they were known as like a company, uh, and they still are for this matter, but they were really known as a company who, who improved other people's things. And we set out to kind of do that same thing. That was our intention. Um, but as we got along the path, we started to realize that we uh, felt that we had an offering that could fill a need and a niche uh, that nobody else was was really looking at. So, uh, so that's kind of why we don't fit quite in the normal vein. Because to be honest, we're we're actually an intelligence company and, and less of a security company. Uh, like in your opinion, and let's try. You know, we're, we're trying to keep this as vendor neutral as possible, obviously, but. Uh, mm -hmm. What, what's the difference then, or how is it different in your opinion from the vulnerability management space and tools and all the solutions that there are, that we have out there? Yeah, so I, I think it's important to understand uh, kind of the evolution of the problem that ASM set out to solve. Um, and from that, I think then it makes more sense uh, kind of like as a, a holistic view. 
Um, so, all right, asset management um, uh, and vulnerability management uh, and vulnerability management in the sense of both scanners and then also, you know, patch management systems. Uh, those have been around, uh, and uh, while not typically uh, put together in the same product, uh, those are concepts that have been around for a long time. And I think um, one of the things uh, that the original ASM uh, solutions that came to the market, uh, one of the things that they really helped accomplish was, like, if you know your address space, then this is a meaning IP address space, then this is a collection of tools that can help you, uh, you know, to understand uh, what devices are at those IPs. And then once you know that, then you know, okay, we can scan them. And then once we know what we've scanned them, now we know, uh, you know, what they might be running, what services they might be running. And from there, we know like what they might need to be patched and things like that, right? And this is a very labor-intensive uh, exercise uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, it, it, for starters, it's labor-intensive in the sense that you, uh, the, the owner, uh, so the asset manager, let's say, you have to know all of your IP space, not just the IP space assigned to you. So, and what I mean here, uh, let's use, for example, um, a company that, needs to scale quickly might set up infrastructure uh, in like Amazon AWS uh, to use temporarily as, as a service, right? Well, in traditional ASM uh, concepts where the tool uh, and oftentimes the licensing operates this way, uh, which is the reason for it, uh, but where the tool is like, you can scan this specific CIDR mask, maybe a slash 24. Uh, and, and, but if AWS's address space is outside of that space, you're not going to be scanning these other parts of your, uh, of your infrastructure because whether we like it or not, uh, when you expand your service into a cloud, that cloud is now part of your edge. That cloud is part of your attack surface. This is your infrastructure. Granted, you're leasing uh, access to it, uh, but that doesn't make it any less yours uh, or in the responsibility kind of sense, right? Um, so, uh, so when you look at kind of, first we have these separate tools, then someone realized, hey, we should put these tools together so that you can kind of look at one place, look at one thing uh, to uh, scan our address space every day, see if there's new devices, and then if there are, scan them and so on. That was kind of the state of attack service management as we saw it when we approached uh, the marketplace. Uh, and like I said, initially, we were really hoping um, that we could just be a supplier of intelligence into the space. But when we discovered that really nobody's tools were, let's call it, uh, I, I don't want to call it self-aware, um, but let's say machine learning capable, meaning um, they were uh, kind of fire and forget in the sense that you gave it an address space and that's all that it would scan, right? Um, when we realized that that was the case and we know because we are, uh, you know, we're tracking adversaries every day on the internet, we're watching uh, um, uh, bad actors exploit things all over. We know how dynamic 
of a uh, situation security is every day. I mean, uh, uh, attackers stand up and tear down infrastructure, new infrastructure, new methods uh, routinely, just as we do the same thing. So we realize that unless your tool is taking advantage of dynamic inputs as well, uh, that you uh, stood a, a, a poor chance of actually truly uh, covering your assets. Uh, and to give you an example, um, so like uh, asset discovery, um, if you're only looking for IPs in your IP space, and I know I keep going back to this, but it's it's really important for people to understand that if your ASM tool is really uh, re relying on you to tell it of what to look at, it's really kind of failing you out of the gate. Um, and uh, But if you uh, go through and you know that this address space is already yours, the only thing you don't know is what's plugged in there. You don't actually know the shadow, the actual shadowed IT, the the thing that is uh, the real bane of of security uh, operations, is the device you don't even know to know about. Uh, and a device you don't know to know about is likely not in your address space, and that's why you don't know about it to begin with. Uh, like I said, if if and uh, and if if we were to sit down and look at how many cloud providers there were, I bet there's fifty uh, easily. You know, right now, if we were to just uh, put them all in a bowl, uh, but there's probably say five major ones uh, that you know are like household name uh, size. You know, AWS, Google, Azure, and so on. Uh, these guys are really really big. And imagine if you had to license your tool to scan all of that space to look for your assets. It's just not realistic with the way that kind of the traditional tools worked. So what we looked to do was sit down and take kind of the traditional tool model uh, and say not just, I mean, obviously it will also look for uh, the domain, either be it namespace uh, or IP space that you tell it to look for. But we also use uh, our globally collected insights to identify other things on the internet that are very likely related to you uh, or critical to you. Um, and what we mean by that is, so for example, occurrences of your namespace appearing in certificates that came from somewhere else on the network, right? Uh, on the internet, uh, not the network. But uh, so if your domain appears in an SSL certificate, uh, you know, outside of your address space, that's something you should know about either uh, because it's somebody pretending to be you or because it's some asset that you didn't realize, you know, your organization uh, was using or was, no, you know, had been using. And so that kind of discovery tool started to make us think about the application of intelligence to uh, the ASM procedure. Um, and uh, again, we're positioned uh, remarkably well to be able to even make that comparison, just given all the other insight that we collect. Um, but uh, when we sat down and looked at, uh, uh, when we sat down and looked at Aside from uh, discovery, what other things could intelligence uh, come, uh, you know, to the table? What else could we apply to in the SM model? The other things that we realized were, um, for example, knowing whether or not a device is already compromised will change considerably what it is you should do if you discover that it's vulnerable to something. So it's not uncommon at all, right? Um, say in the shadow IT example, where you didn't know there was some asset that was on running on your network, 
if you didn't know about it, you probably didn't know to patch it. And if you didn't know to patch it, it probably sat vulnerable for some amount of time. Uh, and wouldn't it be great to know if your tool could already tell you like, hey, we've discovered this asset. It looks to be related to you. It's not even on your network. You know, it's a some instance, some web server running in AWS, but appears to have your domain on it. And it's not been patched in eight months. And uh, we've seen it talking to, uh, you know, these known command and control servers uh, every, you know, 25, 30 minutes for the last six months. It's probably beaconing because it's already infected. And to know that type of, of information about it changes now. You're no longer looking to mitigate something. You now have to remediate something. And that's a totally different exercise and often sometimes involves different teams. So it allows you to like better apply the resources that you have. So what we saw was that both threat intelligence in the sense of are these things compromised, but also intelligence as in like asset discovery, looking for and labeling, identifying, you know, what's going on on the internet and seeing which of these things might be related to you. Those were both immediate and like obvious uh, value adds uh, to that process, we thought. So then once we realized that kind of this external uh, external in intelligence application was missing, we started to wonder, well, what other types of intelligence, and, and in this case, we're talking more of like the business intelligence uh, approach, right, uh, is identifying which of your assets are most critical to your operation um, as opposed to just happen to have IP addresses, right? So like in the traditional ASM model, so you go and scan a bunch of services and maybe you identify two active directory servers on your network, right? Which one is your primary AD and which one is, is your secondary or which one isn't even, which ones you don't even know is running? Um, you can't tell that just by scanning the service, right? You have to be able to know that. And what we realized was that a lot of the existing offerings didn't allow you to add that kind of internal uh, intelligence, which is uh, kind of that business intelligence, which systems are most important to us, uh, how should we be seeing the internet, what's our normal routing look like, uh, who's our ISP, what's their reputation, all of these other factors, uh, we realized that a real tool that was really going to be able to handle these things needed not just outside input, as in this is what we've discovered, but for the administrators to say, okay, these 10 assets are the most critical uh, components of our infrastructure. And if something happens to them, we need to address this immediately. And none of the two other tools really allowed that to happen. They really, uh, they do, they tend to do one of two things. They either order everything based on a CVE uh, score. They say this is a CVE of X or N, sorry, but this other one is N plus one. So this, I'm going to show you this as if it's more important. Uh, or they use the, you know, MITRE ATT&CK approach, which is, you know, what could be um, done with this? Is it a remote code execution? Is it, uh, you know, whatever. But again, at the end of the day, neither of those involve your input. So, uh, you know, two in infectable devices on your network I hate to say it, but they're not created equally, right? If one of those devices is absolutely critical to your business operation and the other one is not, well, the one that's not, you can just turn off and now your problem is solved. But if the other one uh, is absolutely critical to your operation, maybe you may not even be able to turn it off 
to do the patch. You know, you may have to stand up a, uh, a second instance of it that's patched so that you can do like a hot swap uh, using high availability methods or things like that. Uh, but how would you know to do that uh, if you uh, don't have the ability to label that, right? So that was the other uh, that was the other effort that we really looked to do was add business intelligence, so kind of the smarts of what's important to our day to day operations, uh, and add that to our attack surface monitoring solution. Okay, got it. Uh, now we're talking about an, an ever evolving and ever growing uh, landscape of threats, right? So, and I know you mentioned uh, you know uh, the way specifically you go about in uh, identifying what we call shadow IT. And mm -hmm. all kinds of other assets that are outside outside the purview of the your specific land or domain. Uh, can you think of any real life examples of like uh, you know or, or cases where the lack of ASM or poorly managed ASM or uh, uh, you know um, maybe not um, full suite ASM and actually wasn't able to to prevent a specific breach or incident like something that sure. you're aware of. Yeah, I, you know, um, lots and lots of the uh, data exposures uh, that we've seen over the last five years uh, have been attributed back to that. Um, Gartner, back in 2017 or so, I believe it was 17, they they said they predicted that something like 40% uh, of, of, of incidents in the following year would involve, you know, shadow IT. Um, which makes absolute sense. You know, I mean, if uh, uh, if no one's updating uh, a system, it will eventually uh, get popped. There's no, there's just no other way around it. Um, uh, even if it's not on the internet, uh, you know, someone will eventually plug it into something that gets it, it gets it owned. Um, so um, all of the data breach uh, uh, examples uh, that go back like the U.S. Post Office, uh, the Republican National Committee, um, lots of of, uh, of municipalities, uh, quite a few different medical uh, teams, uh, insurance companies. Um, you know, they have these in uh, uh, their simple instances, right, where they have say S3 bucket that just uh, you know, they have some developer spins up for maybe they need it for a week, right? And uh, six months later, it's still running, still with your customer data on it. And no one from the security team ever scanned it to see if it was doing authenticated uh, access. And there have been, uh, uh, like I said, there have been loads of them. Uh, the largest voter leak uh, uh, came back to being uh, uh, the examples uh, that they that they or sorry, not the example, but uh, the excuse uh, that was given uh, was that, well, we didn't know, you know, we, we didn't know to know. We didn't know it was out there, so sorry. And, and that's the example uh, that they give. Uh, um, airport data uh, recently uh, ha has been in the, in the news as well. There was, uh, uh, again, uh, one, one and a half million files, you know, terabytes uh, of airline data to include passenger manifests and uh, to know who went where and when and, and what uh, packages and, and what cargo was on the aircraft. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but this is, uh, and this is a major, uh, you know, airports are a regulated industry, right? Um, so even with regulation, uh, just because the rules said they had to be 
monitoring their infrastructure for changes, uh, which I'm sure they were because their infrastructure was there, what they thought was theirs, uh, didn't include external cloud services because they didn't, you know, because probably when they wrote the regulations or when they bought the tools, they didn't take those into account. Um, so um, now, are any of them specifically because ASM fell short? I mean, that's, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to give examples of, of a negative, you know, it's uh, of the absence of something uh, and the reason for that absence is can be tricky to kind of, you know, pin down. But I can say for sure that um, modern ASM would alleviate these potentials uh, for these kind of things to happen. And when I say modern, I'm, I'm really talking about self-learning uh, you know, uh, uh, ASM solutions that that uh, go out and look for new insights on their own. Uh, those type of automations, if implemented correctly, or or uh, if informed well enough with with prop good intelligence, uh, they would capture. They would see these instances where, like, hey, you have this S3 bucket that's you know in your space uh, um, that we know is your space because your web services are here as well. You know that type of stuff. And then let's talk about how how do how does one go about in operationalize whatever you're able to reflect from the ASM because you know I can imagine there, there's going to be a ton of information, so mm -hmm. many events and so many insights. How do you go about actually you know getting true value out of uh, deploying such a tool? Yeah, so I would say you know everybody's workflow is going to be. Um, it's going to be unique for the most part, right? There's everybody uh, prefers a certain process kind of based on how they think or how they solve problems. Um, so, but one of the big, um, um, one of the big uh, uh, advantages of kind of the modern world uh, is API integrations, right? All kinds of people uh, uh, have, have exposed API uh, inputs from their tools. Uh, and so our approach is uh, to be able to hook directly from the tool, from the ASM solution, be able to hook out and affect policy on the infrastructure, whether that policy uh, be access policy or whether that uh, uh, policy uh, be uh, authorization policy in the sense of get this thing off the network altogether, uh, or whether it be, you know, pushing out, uh, teeing it up. Uh, to be uh, added to the patch management process, uh, or uh, like I said, in some cases, um, you know, reach out to the switch port and turn the switch port off until we identify what, you know, what that asset is. Um, so the big key here, uh, though, to automation is identifying uh, what controls you have uh, to uh, be able to enforce things on the network, uh, and then just uh, conducting integrations, uh, you know, with uh, with the, the ASM solution. Now, in our case, we tried to make it as single honed as possible, uh, so we're kind of putting everything in, into one. Um, meaning the uh, vulnerability scanner, the asset discovery, um, the threat intelligence component of it, and the business intelligence tunables, uh, we've put all into one. But so all that leaves for you ideally is, you know, your routers, your switches, your firewall, uh, as far as, you know, what to do about that. And then if you happen to use some type of patch management mechanism, some type of hook to that to say, hey, we've discovered this new thing, make sure this is added, you know, when we do updates every night or, how, or you know, make sure AV is getting updated on it or these types of other policy components. Um, but really it just comes down to API integrations. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And, mm -hmm. you know, in your opinion, why, why do you think every modern organization nowadays actually need an ASM tool? Like what, like what's wrong with the approach that many organizations still use of just having, you know, a separate, like a SIM solution and, uh, you know, possibly a vulnerability management solution. Uh, in your opinion, what are the merits? Why, why should, uh, you know, this market continue to evolve? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I have, I have colleagues who are at really large organizations, uh, large enterprises, uh, where they still manage their assets in Excel and things like that. Like they're still, you know, even doing that the old way. Uh, and that uh, kind of cascades throughout their process. But I think um, if, again, it goes back to this, like if you don't have something that's learning about the changes that are happening in your infrastructure, uh, and infrastructure again is leased or owned. It doesn't matter, you know, whether it's in your data center or somebody else's. If your operations are relying on it, that's your infrastructure. That's yours now. Uh, and if you don't have a tool that's keeping up with those things, and again, let's start with the problem from the very beginning. Just asset discovery. If you don't have something that's discovering your new things as they're spinning spun up, uh, uh, then you're not going to be able to know to. to uh, vulnerability scan them. You're not going to be able, you're not going to know to patch them. Uh, I mean, you're putting a lot of hope uh, in the systems, you know, just being self-maintained. Uh, now, in the case of the big cloud providers, uh, they're aware of that, right? So they uh, they realize that there's a lot of, uh, let's call it uh, orphaned uh, instances, right? They, they know that this is the case. And it's, while it's uh, it's good for their business model. It can start to, you know, damage their reputation over time where they're like, hey, uh, uh, you know, people come here because it's easy, but then they don't know how to maintain the stuff. And they were aware of that. And and uh, Google and Amazon both for sure. Uh, I, I would imagine uh, Azure does similar things, uh, but they have started to maintain their own distro uh, for the operating systems where they're doing these patches in the background. So you don't have to do, you know, the patching, but that's, uh, you know, if you think about it, that's a crazy reliance. Now you're relying on your cloud provider to be responsible for your security as well. Uh, I mean, if you're in a regulated industry, does that constitute uh, a third party accessing those systems? You know what I mean? Like that gets very tricky. Um, so, but even if you uh, have a cloud provider that's trying to uh, help you with this stuff, it's still no, uh, it, it's still no comparison to knowing and doing it yourself. Um, and that I, I think is what it comes back to uh, is having that uh, context and the assurance of what your things are doing, what you're reliant on, what the most critical systems to your operation, what state they're in, where they're at, you know, if they're managed or not, uh, and kind of owning your own future, uh, or at least having a bigger say in it. Okay, let's say I'm a CISO, okay, and mm -hmm. I'm cons and I, I'm and I'm just you know starting to think about this. What do I need to know about the ASM market, in your opinion? Um, that first and foremost, you have to know that it's it's uh, it's in evolving state right now. Um, so it uh, went 
not dissimilar to say web, you know, people talk about web one and web two, and now we're coming, you know, to web three technologies are coming and whatnot. Uh, in a similar fashion, ASM uh, has evolved considerably since its inception. So the first thing that you need to understand is, is you need to say, is this a static approach or a dynamic approach to doing ASM? If it's a static approach and a static again means, do you have to tell it what that address space to look at? Do you have to give it the domain? Uh, if you have to provide all of the insights, then you probably have a, 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 the approach that you're going to be using is going to be antiquated already. Um, so machine learning uh, needs to be part of it. Uh, in our case, we go went so far as to also add human analysts to try to look for the things uh, that um, machine learning uh, doesn't quite catch. Uh, so we have analysts assist people, you know, on the startup setup part as well. So the other thing that you should ask yourself is, uh, if you're looking at your solution is, uh, if someone says, oh, well, we do have this automated solution, your first question should be, okay, but how much do I have to teach this solution of what to do? Or how much will you help me uh, teach it what to do. And so this is, you know, your implementation engineer, uh, your solution engineer, you know, these types of folks, you should ask like, well, are, are they familiar with identifying assets? Or are they just someone who knows how to use this tool? Because those are two different uh, outcomes as well. Uh, one is, you know, uh, someone who could give you a demo, the other is someone who could actually help you protect your infrastructure with the tool. So, and those are, you know, two different things. And then the next thing I, I would ask is, uh, you know, is it, uh, is it something that can talk to all of our other assets that we already have? Meaning, can it talk to our SIM? Can it talk to our routers? Can it talk to our firewalls, you know, and so on? Can it talk to our VPN? Can it, uh, can it uh, turn on and off users if need be, you know, that type of stuff? Or is it the case where those tools have to talk to the tool? Uh, meaning, uh, the you know, I guess directionality of the API, make sure that the solution you're looking at is modular, make sure it's not uh, just something that sends out an email telling people what to do, because uh, there are things that you'll see, uh, there are products in the market where they consider that to be an automation, uh, whereas they took what you're reading in the on the interface and just sends it and now you read it on the interface of your mail client, that's not in, that's not automation, you know, uh, just getting the report sent to you, that's not automation. So you need to make sure that you have, uh, you know, real automation happening and that you have uh, real in, uh, uh, interaction between when you discover something in the, uh, uh, in the ASM product that you can actually uh, affect policy, you know, somewhere uh, out there uh, to make a change uh, that actually matters as opposed to, like I said, sending yourself just an email alert or something like that. Thank you. Now, you know, coming to the tail end uh, of this of this episode, I wanted to uh, to see if we can sum it up with a couple of last questions here. So, mm -hmm. before selecting an ASM vendor, do you have like quick tips, maybe like a couple questions, up to five questions that I need to ask myself as a potential buyer uh, when I when I'm trying to engage with an ASM vendor? Um, yes. So, like I said, uh, is automation there? Uh, if so, how and in what ways? Um, what inputs does it have? So like um, there are uh, learning capabilities out there that require you, for example, to feed it with your own DNS data. And they do new asset discovery because if they see 
users on your network start looking up a new DNS name, uh, some DNS record uh, that is in your domain, it automatically says, oh, hey, we've learned of this new asset and, and moved out. So find out what type of learning is it doing? Do you have to provide the library, if you will, or does it have access to a globally collected, uh, already uh, collected data lake? Uh, um, and that's, again, one of what we consider to be one of our you know, huge differentiators is all of the access that we have already uh, allows us to uh, not rely on the person at all, actually. You could almost use uh, our ASM solution as like a third-party audit even, because you really don't need to know much uh, about what it is that you want to, uh, what attack surface you want to monitor. Um, so I would ask those two questions or three questions, I should say, first. Uh, and then uh, you should ask yourself, Okay, once it looks at things, how can I bend its answer to what is reality? Because again, uh, many of these tools are going to tell you something is critical uh, based on not your input. They're going to say, uh, well, C MITRE said the CVE on this uh, or whatever uh, is of this certain value, so you need to take it seriously. Uh, but that's crazy. I mean, who? there's no one out there that runs their business based on the priorities of some third person who comes in and says, oh, I want you to worry about this other thing. That's not how business works. You know, businesses, you know what you're trying to do. You find your customers who they know what you, they want you to do. And those are really the two main inputs for your business. Right. So if your ASM product uh, doesn't allow you to say, okay, yeah, I know this problem is there, but this isn't the big problems because these other things are more critical to me. And if it doesn't show you those prioritized tasks based with your inputs, you might also uh, you know, want to go look again. Um, so those are the big things I would say. So auto learning, uh, uh, assistance in setting it up integrations to outside uh, access uh, and uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of available data uh, you know for your tool to learn from that you don't have to provide thank you for that summary and uh, final question before we wrap this up what uh, in your opinion what's what's in store uh, when we when we when we look to the future of ASM um, so hopefully mass adoption, um, you know, the kind of, uh, the first approach at ASM, I think the fact, because it was so static, uh, in how it, how it functions, uh, lots and lots of people, uh, we, we conducted a survey of like 400 and something practitioners, uh, who had used ASM and lots of folks out there, uh, were, uh, were dropping their ASM solutions because they were either too expensive for what they got back uh, or too hard to operate uh, and things like that. Hopefully, those are largely the results of uh, kind of the uh, ineffectiveness of the static approach. So hopefully once uh, the, the market and the community starts to realize that there are now kind of, you know, more self-aware uh, and more uh, learning and dynamic tools out there uh, that, you know, the future starts to look brighter and, and people start to, to adopt those. Um, now, um, I can't say... Uh, uh, beyond that, prediction-wise, uh, I do expect uh, that unless you were collecting insights uh, globally uh, on the data lake sharing side, I think it would be hard to try to get into the threat intelligence business right now. So if you're looking to uh, you know, pick a solution, I would probably look at someone who either 
produces their own intelligence or has, you know, very strong uh, intelligence partnerships to make their product better. Uh, because I think the products that rely, even if they're doing the dynamic discovery stuff without enough data to go into that dynamic discovery, I don't know necessarily what you'd find, right? The internet's a big place. Um, so you really need someone who has sensors and visibility, you know, all over the place uh, for that to really work effectively. Uh, so I predict that that starts to matter at some point as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that. And I think with that, I the only thing that's left for me is to thank you for your time um, before I let you go back to your uh, life. Uh, thanks again for joining me today in this episode. Uh, that was a quick, uh, you know, session with the subject matter expert around ASM, tech surface management, David Mounier. Any, yeah, any, any, any final notes? Uh, Comrie.com, C-Y-M-R-U.com for folks that uh, want to uh, learn more about us. Uh, you can find us uh, um, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and we have uh, lots and lots of no cost and community offerings. Uh, that's kind of how we started our business was uh, uh, looking to provide community services at no cost uh, for the folks that make the internet work. Uh, we wanted to make their lives easier. Uh, so if you're an internet, if you're an operator uh, out there, uh, take a look at our website. We have lots and lots of free stuff uh, to help uh, make your job easier. Sounds good. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, see you soon. See you next time. Thank, Thank you, you Ben. Mm-hmm. <laughs>